Wrong again, DMX. It's not X that's going to give it to you this week on It's Time for a Beer Podcast. It is Dylan Buckley, of course. I'm sure everyone's familiar with Dylan. He's working the podcasting world. Absolute champion bloke, dominating life at the moment, living back in Melbourne in lockdown. So gratefully had a couple of moments to spare with me over an hour and a half. We talk about his football, his podcast, of course, Dylan Friends, biggest podcast in Australia. If you haven't tuned into that, what a stupid thing I just said. Of course you have. But if you've been living under a rock, jump over to Dylan Friends. It is an absolute cracking podcast. He just sits out, sits down, chills out, and speaks to, to people about all sorts of different sides of the world, life and their industry they belonged in. Please do that. He's an absolute cracker. Has a brilliant attitude. That's what I love about Dill. He's ridden the roller coaster ride, ups, downs, and everything in between. Smiles, laughs, and moves on. Nothing too stressful. He's breaking the mold of the traditional football media person. You don't need to have brown lows and all that sort of shit hanging around your neck. He just gets in and has a real decent crack with a smile on the face and a good laugh on the journey. So please sit back and enjoy Dill Buckley because I certainly do enjoy spending time with him. He just makes everyone happier and uh, enjoying life that much more. If you haven't rated and reviewed this podcast, it's time for a beer. Of course, jump over and do that. I don't know what it does. I say it every week. just takes a couple of minutes out of your life. It is a pandemic. We're all sitting around doing nothing. So pop over, five stars. If you don't give it five stars, don't rate it or review it. Just move on, find something else. But uh, if you do, again, I'll buy you a beer when I see you out at the footy at the pub where we run into each other. Or I'm trying to learn the Cardi B WAP dance where you get down and dirty. You see it on TikTok, I'm sure, if you're a, a guy listening to this podcast, I'm certain you're familiar with the WAP dance. If you aren't, please have a look. It's um, <clears throat> thrilling. I am going to learn it. It's going to be on the OnlyFans page, $4.90 a minute to see me in a G-string doing a lap dance. But uh, give us a rating and a review. Uh, and no more from me. Let's hear from this absolute ripping bloke, Dill Buckley. Buckley, 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 Buckley's got it. Buckley, 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 Buckley's lead. Buckley makes his move. Buckley, Buckley. Nathan Buckley. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Oh. I told the bloke to take the Nathan oh, Buckley off at the fuck end. Fuck you, mate. That uh, is embarrassing. Well, <laughs> mate. Welcome to it's time for a beer with Dill Buckley. Uh, I'm going to jump into a, a single fin, mate. It's uh, clock past uh, twelve o'clock over here, so I'm good to go. Um, the only concern is M usually gets me to pick up the little fella, um, so I might be eight or nine vessels deep by the time it's uh, to pick up the little fella today. So I'll blame you. That's fine, mate. Um, I it's it's two forty here. Um, I'm in lockdown, so no, we normally start drinking at about uh, nine a.m. <laughs> here, so I'm well and truly done. But mate, you know me; it only takes me a couple, um, <laughs> like two beers, and I'm I'm pretty much anyone's. So uh, I'm just on the Melbourne bitters today because that's my uh, that's my drop. Nah, mate. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to join me today. Now. Lockdown. What do you? What do you? What's your day? So you're doing. You do Channel Ten stuff. You do your podcast. Bit of three AW. What, what's the day for you now in lockdown? Yeah, it's a bit of everything, really. Um, I sort of live by the the mantra of uh, Jack of all uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Um, so I just sort of try everything and sort of suck at most, but just give it a crack, mate. That's that's where I've just sort of done most of my life, just giving things a crack. But can I firstly just say something? Because I think it'd be yeah. remiss of me not to mention this off the top of the show. Um, I'm a little bit embarrassed today. <laughs> okay. Like I'm just a little bit embarrassed. Um, 
I'm going through your podcast. Obviously, it's a massive honor for me to come on this podcast. Probably one of the biggest honors <laughs> in my in my career. But if I look at it quickly, and I don't know if you're taking the piss when you first asked me. Yep. You're doing it. episode one. You've had Luke Shuey, Nick Nat Nui, who's my bunny. Um, I absolutely smashed him back in the day. Yeah. Tom Hawkins, who you drink his bath water. Yep. Sam Mitchell, Mick Barlow, Campbell Brown, Joel Selwood, Luke Hodge, Damian Martin, Jared Roughhead, Josh Kennedy. And now myself. Yeah, that's I, I'm. I normally pump myself up, mate, but I'm genuinely embarrassed, mate. I actually stand by you fit into that company well and truly because you're a little bit like me. Those players are the stars, but they need us around the joint to hold it together to get them to the top end of town. So, I mean, they get the awards, <laughs> they get all the accolades, but. We know personally these sort of guys text us and we don't get the limelight for it, but they thank us personally for our ability to keep them up throughout, throughout the cold winters. It's very true. They do thank us. I just wish they did it a bit more publicly. Yeah. Like, I, I like it. You know, the message is nice, but maybe a bit of public recognition, which is what we love, mm. um, that would be nice as well. Mate, what a dream would be if someone said in the Brownlow speech or something like, you know, they say, uh, like Fifey, for example, thanks Reeks Conquer. In his Brownlow speech, I was like, Sam Mitchell. Yeah, that was weird. Man, I was blocking for you all the time. I was chasing your yeah. opponent. Like, seriously, just give us one little, like, uh, Zave Ellis, you only played five games for the year, but, um, mate, thanks. But, no, nah, never happens our way. But, Fraser McGuinness, you've you ran into Fraser a couple of times, I believe. I did. I did. Um, Fraser McGuinness is an absolute champion yep. of the bloke. Um, absolute ripper, mate. I've met him, yeah, I've actually sort of met him in person once, but we've been chatting since. Funnily enough, we met each other at the outduction mm-hmm. camp, which is basically, uh, in, in layman's terms, it's basically when you get delisted, yep. um, you go to a camp um, that the AFLPA put on for you to sort of cheer you up and say, look, your life's not that bad. You know, you, you met some nice people on the way and there's free drinks and free you trip. do some life coaching. And it's, it's, it's actually, to be honest, it's better than some of the footy trips I've been on. And um, Fraser uh, was one of the, the great men that I met on that trip and forever indebted to him. He was a, he's a very, very good person. So Fraser said to me, um, I got text messages whilst you're on this trip. To start with, he wasn't going to go. And I said, what are the negatives? You've got to turn up to a couple of things. You get a free trip. You get free accommodation. You're in Melbourne. You've got mates in Melbourne uh, and all that sort of stuff. He goes, yeah, great call, X. I'm going to go to Melbourne. He texts me one night, you guys had some beers together or something. And he's like, random as random, he goes, Zave, you'd love Dill Buckley. You'd love him. And that was it. And I was like, Fraser, that's a really random thing to receive at 3 a.m. in the morning, but I, I appreciate the sentiment. And then, uh, obviously, we're, we're listeners to your podcast. And he goes, Fraser said to me, I'd love you to get Fraser on yours because we often hear Dill talking to other people, but we don't hear from Dill exactly, you know, the whole Dill journey. And my little brother said yeah. the exact same thing only a week ago. So... Uh, Fraze and my little brother will be pleased, as, as will everyone else who's tuning in, mate. So thanks again. Oh, jeez. I hope I can live up to the standard, mate. I The reason I do the podcast and interview other people is I'm a pretty boring sort of person. Nothing really exciting happens to me. So yep. that's why I get people like yourself onto the show that actually done some things with their lives um, to talk about. But, um, mate, more than happy to come on. Um, I'm honoured, to be honest. And, uh, gee whiz, I, I just, just quickly... Yeah. Thanks. One thing, you know, 2020 has been an up and down year, but one thing I am very blessed for in 2020 is our friendship. Oh, uh, that's blossomed. So thank you for that. <laughs> no, nah, mate, I agree. Now, what I usually do is I'll go back to the start um, and then we'll weave our way through to the end. Now, I've got a few things that have popped up um, via Twitter and socials and 
uh, a few mutual sort of contacts. But, mate, your father's son picked 62 to Carlton. Your dad obviously won three flags at, uh, at Carlton. Is it true you were told you were going to go father-son to Carlton 18 months prior to the draft? Mate, that's true. Um, worst thing that ever happened to me as well, by the way, I think. I, Yeah, like it was just stupid. I, um, I, Dave was one of those players when I was a junior and I still live that, I, I still think I peaked at about 16. Yeah. Um, I was probably by far, and I'm not just saying this, but I reckon I could have been the best player in the country at 16 years <laughs> yeah. old. Like, I just didn't, like I was so naive and just so loved playing footy that, I didn't even know, and this is no word of a lie, mm. till under 16s Vic um, championships when you're like, you know, you go and travel to play these things. I was captain of the team and we went up to play in New South Wales. I didn't even know that there was a such thing as a stat sheet. <laughs> Never knew. I, I, the boys were looking at this thing after the game. They're like, oh, you know, you had 15, you had 16, you had 21. Jesus bloke had this. I was like, what, what, are, you, what are you guys mm. looking at here? And they're like, mate, they take our possessions. And it just rattled me. Yeah. And I think that that nearly that moment, I look back now and it changed me. Yeah. Because I was like, fuck, I just started worrying about all this shit that like <laughs> yeah. I never used to worry about. And it nearly just ruined the game for me. Mate, so true. The um, you, Were you the son of a prodigy or were you like just blending in, obviously captain, but Carlton giving you the 18 months heads up? Were you like, was that Carlton with the articles about you in the paper and all that sort of stuff? Oh, no, nah, look, not really, mate. I'm probably telling you I was better than I was. But I was obviously pretty – like, I was a good player. Yeah. Like I, you know, played 15s, 16s, um, played bottom age 17s as well. And then I broke my ankle in my 18th year. But, um, the yeah, the funny thing how that actually all played out was, and why they committed so early was back then you'd be aware that they used to do the um, – you know, when Gold Coast and Giants came into the league, oh, they used yep. to do the, the pre-listing of the 17-year-olds. Yep. And I was a – at that time, I was born in March. I was one of those guys that they would have um, that could have gone to Giants as a pre-listed mm-hmm. player. So like Dylan Shield, Tom Bug, um, oh, who else was there? Like you know, there's a few guys I can't even remember. Like Adam Trelaw, I think maybe was one of yeah. them. Um, some of them genuine superstars. Some of them uh, I can't even remember their name. Yeah. And anyway, um, yeah, that that was sort of how that sort of played out. And like Giants were sort of keen to do it, but Carl were like, look, mate, if you sit out of this, you know, we'll give you, you know, we'll commit to you now and we'll also give you, like, normally you sign a two-year deal when you first get to a club. They said, look, we'll, we'll give you a, th- a three-year deal um, and add it on to your third year. So um, that's how it all planned out. But, mate, like, I look back now and I know I'm having a bit of fun, but honestly, probably the worst thing that ever happened to me just because I just thought, like, literally from that day, like, being told as a kid that, you you know, when you're 17, mm. 16, turning 17, that you're going to get drafted in two years' time and you're at school, um, I literally just stopped trying at school. Yep. Didn't really even ke- like try play footy anymore. I didn't really learn what it was like to even work hard. Um, like it, it just really set me back because yeah. Like, it, it, yeah, it's sort of like, not that you, you don't ever, I would never ever change anything in life. But no. I think now looking back, that taught me the biggest lesson ever because it, it took me like three years to work out what AFL was. And I don't think that, you know, if I hadn't have signed that, third year if they hadn't given me that extra year on the contract i wouldn't have been at the club yeah like right third year. yeah the uh it's funny where you mentioned when the stats start getting involved there was a game i played in tac cup and obviously i was a gippsland power boy and they try and get you drafted and they're in charge when i went through they were in charge of doing the numbers uh we played a final and at the end of the game i thought oh, i'd played okay nothing major and i had something like 35 kicks on the stat sheet 
not not 35 disposals, 35 kicks or something. And I was like, that can't be right. What, what's yeah. happened there? Anyway. That's a lot. It, well, it's purely they kicked something like 18 points or whatever it was. And I kicked in every time. And um, the stats man's <laughs> just like, mate, the stats man just kept giving it to me and giving it to me. And then, of course, it gets passed around to recruiters and stuff. And back then, what, 15, 16 years ago, they're not going to videotapes or whatever. They're just going, shit, 33 kicks. There's, Get there's him no on the list. Checking. No, absolutely nothing. So the old stats, as much as I, I hate them because uh, I never found them, the, the one that got me drafted was purely through, um, was through the Gippsland Power Days. So you drafted to Carlton and you played 39 games there. Can you remember your best game for Carlton? And this might have come off Twitter. How long you got? Well, um, there was 39, so... Um, 39 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, gee whiz. Um, mate, I'll be honest. Like, I never, like... I never played, like... I was, a, I was a, you know, I just, I was just a battler, man. Yeah. Like, you know, I was quick and I just tried my hardest and that's probably what got me to where I was. Like, obviously you have to be pretty skilled to get on a list, but like, I think there's a difference between getting skilled and getting on a list and then being the AFL's best. Like, yep. um, you know, I just did what I had to do and I loved playing. I, like my start of my career, I played forward and then moved to half back, which is where I played most of my best footy. But, um, yeah, I think like there was a year in 2015, I think it was, I played like 18 games and it was like the first time where, you know, you sort of rock up just knowing you're playing every week because yeah. you're like consistent and you could actually, you know, that in meetings that actually talk about you and you were like, oh, geez, this is weird. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Like I'm used to sort of every week just being like, fuck, am I playing or not? Um, and that year was was good. I able to put some good games together. I talk about them a lot, like take the piss out of a few games a lot, but obviously kick three on the G1 under. It was actually a pretty shit game. Like, I had, like, 12 touches, but I kicked three goals. So, it wasn't that good. Who was that against? Um, that was against Melbourne. Oh, that that um, came they, they through. recovered since. That came through on the Twitter feed. Can you tell us about yeah. the day you put the sword through Melbourne? Yeah, I buried them at the G. And, yeah. Um, un, un, unfairly, you know, they got kicked out of the finals that year. Um, and to be honest, we'll get to my back injury later, but I yeah. think it might still have something to do with that. Um, also, there was a game against Fremantle I played um, – over the West and I do love the West and always got up and playing the West, but we played against Frio. My good mate, Tommy Sheridan and Mickey Barlow yeah. played against those boys one night. And my, my career high I had that night was 24. Yeah. And I had nine in the first quarter and, you know, I'd go through games, get nine touches. Yeah. So when you're rocking up at quarter time with nine, you're thinking, am I going to win the Brownlow? <laughs> like I, I, you know, I sort of got a little bit ahead of myself. I actually finished with more possessions than, Nat Fife, because he got tagged that night. But, mm. yeah, finished with 24. So that could have probably, like, champion data-wise, that was probably my best game. But What about, too, um, when you've had nine early, you go, you extrapolated out. You go, shit, I'm a chance to get 40. If I just lifted up another yeah. gear, you don't realise you're in sixth gear as it is already. Oh, I used to do it all the time. Oh, I was so flat. I thought I was getting 38. I finished with 24. But, yeah, running out of steam. The, um, how good is it, though, and it rarely happened to me, where you get in that mould and you spoke about your year where – um, you'd spoken about in meetings where you know you're getting a game. And, I mean, mm. come Thursday where, or Tuesday at training, we think, shit, how many coaches are looking at me? Oh, do I tell them about the cork or the calf, a little nick I've got? Oh, whereas, yeah. whereas when you're in, your, you're in the rhythm and you're feeling actually part of the team, you put your hand up to the physios and go, oh, boys, oh, deal, maybe just do some run-throughs today or something. Like, you, you're treated like absolute royalty when oh, you're in the rhythm. Mate, there's nothing better. And I reckon I had four weeks of that. And it was probably the peak of the life. You know, it was like 
it's like when you're when you're playing and you're playing well. And I think it could even when I had, I reckon the week that I got nominated for Rising Star, they'd set they were nearly like cheering me off the track like every <laughs> session. And like physios were like, you know, Juddy was trying to get a massage, and they were like, Nah, sorry, mate, we got deal. Um, you know, he just got the Rising Star nomination this mm. week. Like we got to look after him. Um, so yeah, it, look, the one thing that I love about my career, um, that I look back so fondly, and I look back and think like, fuck, like I wouldn't change a thing is I've dead set been to the highs of highs and I've been to the lows of lows yes, like without winning a flag like, mm. like yourself, you know, you've done that. But I was at a team that played in a grand final. I was at a team that's finished last most years. I've mm. been delisted. I've been in the 22 out of the 22. <laughs> like I've nearly, I've nearly played twos twos. Yeah. Like I've genuinely just like done it all. So it's sort of like, it's a pretty cool. Um, it wasn't at the time no. that much, but it's, it's cool to look back on now. The, uh, I remember, I'm very similar to you, you know, you, you, when the highs are high and you think, how good is this? But then there's so many lows. I remember one day over here, <clears throat> I'd done my calf, torn my Achilles in my car and the dietitian tech saying, you're up for skin folds. I was driving a, oh, um, I was driving a, a Toyota that was given to me um, just through the club and it was a Hilux. I was driving past a school called Newman over here and at the front of Newman, there's a brick wall that says Newman. I actually contemplated just putting my car into that wall. Like just, you know, like a little 60, 40K, 60K little bump. Oh, sorry. I was just that low at that time. The last thing I wanted to do was put my gut in the clamps and go, oh, yeah, great. I'm not playing for 15 weeks, but thanks, dietitian. Yeah. Um, dietitians have never been great at just reading uh, situations. Mm, oh, no. I feel like they're always that friend that just like has like Asperger's that just like can't pick up on like when it's a joke <laughs> and when it's like not a joke and you're just like, yeah, yeah probably just not the time to, to bring that one up. But thank you very much. Our, uh, my first time over here, over here when I moved over to get my guts done, um, it came in at 16 on my stomach and I was like, yeah, oh, okay. shit, you beauty. I was thinking worse than that. And she wrote down 36. I was like, 36? It's 16. And she goes, no, I had to clip them out. Like you can you and do it again. No, well, yeah. So it's clamped at twenty, but you can start it at forty and clamp in, and whatever gets in that, you plus your twenty. Oh. Yeah. So I was thirty. I was thirty six. You had to add twenty, which um was fairly a fair uh, reason why I was a little bit behind the pace um, early days over here. I hadn't run for two years, but the dietitians were absolute pains. Lovely people, but pains in the ass. You're right. They just couldn't read yeah. read the play and the situation. Now, mate, I want to know uh, you were. I've started, what I really loved about you, Dill, I obviously knew you were flashy, fast, um, Carlton, GWS. The night you and uh, Tommy Sheridan jumped on the footy show, the pre-grand final. (laughs) Can you talk, I've I've watched that, I've Googled it, I've YouTubed it. If you haven't seen it, jump on. And I could not fathom the the interview that was going on. Mate, what, what, (laughs) were you guys boozed or was it just fun? Oh, mate, we were, yeah, we were pretty, we are pretty full at that stage. Yeah. I think, to be honest, that that grand final week at the Giants, so just to put a bit of context to the story, I'd just done my car for the, probably the eighth time mm-hmm. um, a week earlier, uh, two weeks earlier, and it got to the stage where at the club it was just like, look, we knew that what was happening, I wasn't stupid. I was like, yeah, yeah. like, you know, you know, I'm going to finish up, but, like, I just want to enjoy it and just have fun. So I basically just didn't even tell anyone, just trained for the last two weeks with, like, this massive um, – calf tear just because like I wanted to just be amongst this grand final run and get around the boys and like in my head my whole thing was like all I'm gonna do without being over the top but just like send these guys like positive subliminal messages yeah like 
Jesus, man, you are like, you're just looking so quick today. Like, I don't know what, it, like, just shit like that. Like, yeah. look, long story short, didn't work. But the yeah. effort there to do that, that was what, like, I was thinking. Anyway, so Giants not being a massive club um, and being in Sydney, they said, um, like, we need someone to go to Melbourne and do some media. But, mm. like, we don't really have any past players that are, you know, well-known. Um, we don't really... Like, you know, we, we can't be getting the boys to do it because they're focusing on playing the grand final. And they go, well, fuck, let's just send Dill down to do, like, the media run. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is fantastic because, firstly, they booked me in at the Olsen Hotel for a week. Yeah. My own room. I was in this, like, suite. They didn't put me in with the boys, no. by the way. Like, yeah, separated. Like, yeah, they separated me from, like, the hotel. So I was, like, like literally a suburb away, which was good because I, I didn't want to annoy them. But, um, yeah, basically that week, mate, was just a – was like a it was like a book tour for example it was like it was like a farewell grand final tour for myself um sort of like a john farnham s just going around i went on every single radio station i did every single tv show um we went out every night and tommy was an emergency but then it got to the stage where he wasn't an emergency in terms of like in the three in the three but yeah. he was like in the eight yeah okay. you know what i mean the training squad sort of and stuff he was in the training squad as he normally is every other week <laughs> yeah. so Basically, um, it got to the stage where, yeah, we were like, the footy show, like, God, you always want to come on. And we were like, yeah, you know, sweet, like, we'll come on. And we're like, mate, this is our chance. Let's just send it. Like, okay, why not? Like, you know, these blokes just rip into us, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, let's just get in there. Like, they're going to not know what hit them. So, basically, if you haven't seen it, like, yeah, we just, um, we just went as hard as we could. Oh, and man. I just remember going, like, like, let's just go hard at Chompers. And I really want to go hard at Damien Barrett because I know he's got a podcast. And yep. just rip into him about his podcast. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember what else we said, but, yeah, it was pretty funny, man. Like, we just said, like, let's be a bit weird at the start as well. And I think, like, Tommy was just, like, stretching my hammies like, <laughs> yeah, at the start. Yeah, and then we just, like, just sort of said, oh, sorry, boys. Yeah, yeah, no, all good. All oh. good, Chompers. Like, we're here. We're here. Um, and then, yeah, just took a few swipes at the lads. And I, I honestly don't think they had any idea what was going on. Like, they just were so rattled. But to their credit, Tony Jones messaged us the next day and said, boys, thank you so much. That was honestly the best thing we've ever had on the show. Um, like, just, yeah, really appreciate it. Welcome anytime. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, I took that literally, thought I was going to get a job. But um, <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard anything since. The um, what about too when you finish up? I mean, I'm I'm sure you probably had it as well. When you've been around for a while, people go to you. Oh, did you did you did you do the lap at, on Grand Final day? And you're like, I did. Nah, I man. Did. Like, did you, did you look at the players who were doing it? Oh, I was fucking no good. They're very good. Like, work it out. It's so insulting. Mate. It's embarrassing when you got to explain. No, I didn't play enough oh. games. No, mate. You you you're, you're selling yourself short here because you're actually you're a fucking you're a good player. Like. I get, you know, you've you've done a few things, but you deserve that. Whereas <laughs> in terms of embarrassment, like this is one of the most embarrassing things ever and you've just reminded me of it. But you know how they do the lap of honour? Yeah. So, again, I've got thrown under the bus here and needed the cash because yeah. I was obviously getting delisted. And they've done this thing where Virgin wanted to do this activation pre the grand final. Mm -hmm. And... um. They go, oh, like they're gonna. What they're gonna do is try and pump up the crowds, like Richmond versus Giants. And I go straight away. I'm going, oh shit! Like <laughs> that's ninety nine percent, no, ninety nine thousand Richmond fans versus yeah. one percent Giants fans. So what they want to do is they want to get someone from um, 
you know, a, a Richmond great and a GWS Giants spokesperson to do it. <laughs> yeah. They go, they want to get you and Jake King. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, this is going to not be good. Like, they've got Jake King and me, who's played two games for the Giants. And yeah. there's probably about three fans there. Yep. And anyway, all of a sudden they go, they're trying to break the noise for like, you know, the stadium crowd. And they go, Jake King, like Jake King goes, all right, one, two, three. Like, I've never heard, I've never heard anything like it. Yeah. Like, it was unbelievable, like unbelievable. And then they go, all right, Giants. And I'm just sitting there on the ground, like mind you, like in the gold square in front of the Giants cheer squad. And I'm like, all right, guys, one, two, three. And it was just me going, <laughs> It was the most embarrassing oh. thing I've ever seen. And I was just like, shit, this is where I've got to. Like, they're just looking at me going, this bloke's getting delisted next week. <laughs> and he's on the MCG trying to pump up 30 people. Um, I single, single-handedly single take the loss for the team after that performance. Oh, I tell you what. So I went to the grand final. I drove a motorhome from Perth to the MCG for the Giants grand final last year. Me and, on the radio show, me and the two others. Crashed the motor home, and I was so desperate to get there to see the Giants because uh, my wife is a, a Giants fan slash um, would just do anything to have a night with Josh Kelly. But um, I, got, I got there. My son's dressed in Giants gear. You know when you get a little bit socially excited when you – so you spend some time in Sydney when you lob back into Melbourne and you're like, yeah, I'll catch up with Wilbo and Smithy and Rog and – and, yeah, and then before you know it, then you're thinking, I'm going to be home by midnight, midnight to two, and then at two o'clock, someone says, do you want to go here in the end there? So I planned to have a quiet Friday night, wasn't going out, I was going to stay at my brother and sister's, and then get line up at the MCC to get my MCC membership, because I was going to give it my ticket that I got given uh, through work to a girl who didn't get one, who was on the road trip with us. So mum and dad, I didn't go to bed. I got at 5am, at 5am, I'm standing in the MCC line for about three and a half hours. Mum and dad are there. I can hardly stand. I had a thousand beers and mum, haven't seen mum for two years, three months, five months, six months. Oh, Xavier, how's mum? How's your wife? How's I'm like, mum, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, got there and you lose by 100 points. It was the longest day of my life. And if I had to drive that mini home, minivan home, I wouldn't have, I just would have stayed in Melbourne. So that's me done and dusted for, for radio. The Giants, you're a rusted on Giants supporter? Yeah, I am, man. I am. Like, it's funny. It's, it's a hard question because I, I say I support, yeah, like without crying, um, the Giants is just, oh, they're an unbelievable team. Yep. Um, I, they're an unbe- unbelievable bunch of blokes. So, like, when I say who do I support, I'm still trying to work it out because I love, like, historically, if you're talking teams in terms of, like, who do you barrack for, like, you know, with the history of, like, my dad and being able to play for Carlton yep. and the history of the club. I barrack for Carlton as a team, as a, as a club. Yeah. But if I, if you're talking about who am I more connected to in terms of um, teams, it's I, I love the Giants just because of like you know what I learned up there and probably just the two years, the best two years of my life and the people I met and being a part of a new club. It's you know when I played my first game, man, like I, it was something like I got my badge. Yeah. And I was something like the you know, like 80th player. And mm. I was like, fuck, that's pretty cool. Like, mm. you know, to be so, you know, in the history books, as we all are in all clubs, but 
at such a young club. Like, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It was just sort of crazy. But yeah, it's I, I can't split them. I love them both. But I'm a lot closer with a, a lot of the guys. Sorry, I'm a lot. I've got more mates at the Giants than I do at Carlton now. Yeah. Most of my mates got delisted. Yeah, it's um, like myself. I, and I, me and you, very similar. Heading to another club. There's something about a second club taking a chance on you. Like your first club takes you as a 17 year old, 18 year old, where it's a bit of a throwing the dart at the board and hoping for the best. Whereas the second club, they actually see something positive in you. I don't know if 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 you leave a club and it's been a bit of a, a rocky ride, and another club goes, we're keen to have you. Absolutely. There's something about the buying that that club's already shown you. I don't know. That's why I think I, I settled into. WA because I felt like I never felt unloved at Hawthorne absolutely not but like felt as yeah. though uh, they wanted you there yeah oh, 100% and that's why <laughs> I think like if you look at when I got picked up at the Carlton like I got drafted um, and like the recruit so the year I got drafted the recruiting uh, sorry for 12 months I got drafted it was Brett Ratton and yeah. like Ian uh, his name was uh, what was his name Ian Ick uh, Stephen Ick Stephen Ick yeah and, um Wayne, Wayne Hughes. Um, so it was all these guys there that were like the head of footy coach and like their recruitment. Yeah. I was there for 12 months and then they all got sacked. Yeah, right. And then they brought like a whole new team in and stuff. And it's like, it's not that they didn't like me or didn't want me, but like, it's just like they weren't the guys that invested in you. So yeah. like technically they, you know, have more investment in guys that they bring in because it's yeah. more, more their thing. And it's like when I actually got to the Giants and, you know, I said this to, um, I'm honestly said this to Wayne Campbell and Leon Cameron, and I don't have, you know, I've got time for a lot of people, but those two guys are up there with some of the, the best blokes I've met in footy, just because, mate, they did not need to pick me up mm. at all. Like, and to be honest, they, you know, they might even regret it, but like, I just said to them when I finished there, I was like, fuck me, guys, like, you've changed my life forever. Like, yeah. I cannot thank you enough for for everything you've ever done for me just because, you know, you took a chance to me, you didn't have to. And even when I debuted, I was like, I'm a rookie on three bucks. Yeah. Like, you don't have to debut me if you didn't want to, but <laughs> yeah. they did. Yeah. So I was like, thank you. Like, yeah. That actually means a lot. Like, yeah. The um, Leon Cameron, I don't know, he still owes me money from dropping him off and picking him up at the airport. We used to live a K from each other. <laughs> and my house was further. So I used to swing through, pick, on, pick up Leon, Leon, who was coach at Hawthorne at the time. And you'd think occasionally... Just occasionally you go, mate, I've got this one. But I oh know poor old me on, on bugger all would have to get the never never out of the savings account either. That was on zero. You'd have to pay the old credit card and you just knew, oh you pricks. Oh he, he he's a good guy. Did he have a bullshit from he, mate, he's a, he's got a lot of money. Oh, I don't know. I have no doubt he's got a lot of money, which is uh you can never um criticize. Oh, that's why the players who make good money. I'm like I'll, I won't take anything off you. I'll always buy my beers and everything like that. But just just offer it. Just just offer yeah. to pay for it. But, um, hey, mate, the uh, the party tricks in the change rooms. <laughs> yeah. I need to know about the party tricks in the change rooms. That's a touchy subject these days. Oh, is it? Um, well, you know, you just – I don't know. Like, it's – my game day was the change rooms, Yeah, that makes sense. You yeah. know, I didn't – and a lot of people might take this badly. Like I love playing footy. Don't get me wrong, but my favorite thing about footy was the friendships and just the camaraderie um, that went went with it. You know, like after the track, mm. having fun, jumping in the showers with the boys. You know, <laughs> just that sounds so weird, but anyway, um, that that was the stuff that was just the funnest for me. Like I just look back so fondly on just you know that shit that goes down, yeah, and the and the funny pranks and and you know even like the fines and all that yeah. sort of stuff, but. 
yeah, the change rooms was was a funny time. Um, I was definitely um, loved. You know, I don't have anything to be proud of in in any aspect in terms of you know head, shoulders, uh, rig, yeah, you know, anything in my body. But yeah. um, for some reason, just loved getting nude with the boys. <laughs> and um, there was always one thing. There was one thing that I was good at, and I was really strong, like in terms of. Now, let me just refrain. Yeah. I wasn't strong, but like I was very strong, like because I was so light, I was really good at like power to weight ratio. Yeah, grown man strength. Like, grown man strength. So like, no joke. I think the best I ever did was I could do like 50 chin-ups yeah, like, without, you know, like I was ridiculously strong because I was, I was, you know, at some stages I was like 60, I was playing at like 67 kilos. Yeah. Um, you know, AFL. Um, so yeah, I used to have a big trick where they'd call, you know, pr- pretty much Jason Ackermanis, but I could do it for about three minutes. Um, yeah, right. And also do the, also do the push-ups as well. Um, nude. So nude. that was, yeah, that was probably the famous one that, um, yeah, unfortunately I probably would have loved the legacy to be a premiership or yeah. maybe a best and fairest or yeah. being the most courageous player. But unfortunately I think. It's just the nude handstands, which I'm not too happy. I'm I'm not too upset about. So the nude push-ups, you know, they usually say get your chest to the ground. What what was the when was it time to come back up? Was it the tip or the chest? No, so these weren't push-ups. These were oh the verticals. Hands. Yeah, the verticals. Okay. So they, they were they were vertical, like in terms of like I was in a handstand position. Yeah. Doing like reverse. Yeah, right. Chin-ups sort of thing. So yeah, head head to ground. Your feet up now. So uh, power to rate ratio. We call it grown man strength uh, over here. Mm-hmm. I used to be. I used to have a little bit of grown man strength. Now I'm just fat. But <laughs> it, which which is if you ask me to do a cartwheel these days, it'd be a frightening sight. They wanted me to do. I don't know if you're on TikTok. The um, Cardi B uh, WAP. Oh, dance. the WAP dance. They wanted me to try that today. Now I'm I'm not sure whether that's. Um, I couldn't do it. I, I actually can't do it. But when you came back for the start of season with testing and stuff, with your, with your natural strength ability, was that where you shone? Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I was never a runner. Like, as in, I, you know, I had the pace, but um, the boys, like, you know, I used to do the, like, the Saturday morning circuits yep. and preseason and whatnot. And that was, that was probably the only thing that I was ever first picked for, just because if we were doing those comps in terms of, like, you know, push-ups, chin-ups, yep. um, all that sort of stuff, I was... I was dominant. Um, the only thing is, uh, Zave, that uh, I've never done a push-up or a chin-up on the MCG. So okay. it didn't really correlate into any performance. <laughs> um, any performances and it really didn't mean much at all. But, um, yeah, again, that was just something I could probably hold my hat on that on a few Saturday morning comps, the boys liked me for about half an hour or so. That's what I used to say. I'm, yet, I'm actually yet to see anyone kick a goal with their six-pack. I've, I've never seen it. And, uh, and now I've sort of living proof that, um, that you don't need them because they disappear in the end virtually. Now, mate, I've, as I said, I've got a few things that I need to get through. Tell us about how you burnt your face quite serious, oh. quite seriously. Mate, this is serious. Yeah, no, oh, that, in brackets, the person who texted it to me said serious. Yeah. No, it's actually funny. It's funny now. But okay. Who sent, who sent that to you, by the way? No, no. You, you, don't, you, you don't reveal? Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, no, it's, yeah. Well, look. Um, funny story, but basically I was a, I'm a pyro. I love fire. Yeah. Um, like love playing with fire and, you know, was always just playing with fire as a kid. And mum was like, you know, watch out, mate. You're going to get burnt. <laughs> and 
I'm going to send you some photos of this as well that you can chuck up. Yeah, but lovely. Basically, yeah, one day I was um, – my, my worst thing that I do is I'm extremely – when I'm when I'm busy, I do too many things at once. Yep. Like I'm always like trying to cook, trying to make a phone call, trying to organize something, also doing this, also doing that. So like I'm always like not fully engaged in what I'm doing. Yep. And um, yeah, so long story short, one day I was – I just had a shower. I was about to head out. And I was also like going, shit, I'm really hungry. I'm going to quickly cook something. Um, so I just moved into my new house and I was living alone for like the first time with my partner at the time who she was out as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, basically I put the stove on and I was on the phone as well. So I was like on the phone and this was before I AirPods. Yeah. I was on the phone and sort of like had my phone like in between um, my like shoulder and my ear. And mind you, sorry, going back a little bit after the shower, I was heading out somewhere that didn't need this at all, but I just saw like an aftershave and I was like, oh, I really want to put this on. So yeah. I put like a shitload of aftershave on all my face <laughs> and my neck. And um, anyway, so we, we're back to the kitchen and I'm cooking and I'm on the phone and all of a sudden, you know, like sometimes when you start the gas stove and it doesn't <laughs> click over, but it just has the gas going. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. So instead of just like turning it off and like going back again, I was like, oh, I saw some matches earlier. Yep. So then like I'm on the phone, like looking at like, you know, just in the shower. I'm still in my towel. Mm. Like I was, I had a cap on because I normally wear my cap when I, um, when I try and set the hair after the shower. Oh, okay. And I'm walking around the house trying to find like these matches, trying to find them. And then like literally probably three minutes of trying to find them. Yeah. When again, I could have just turned it off. The gas still again. ticking away. Yep. Gas is still ticking. Away. And anyway, finally found the matches and I walk back over and I'm still on the phone. And funnily enough, this part of the story is just not even relevant, but I was on the phone to like Woodard's hire and I was trying to hire a mulcher. Yeah. I just cut down a tree in my backyard. So I've been yeah. on weight for ages and I was like, I don't want to like hang out because I'm on weight. Anyway, so I'm like leaning, as you can imagine, like picture in your head. I've like got the phone in my ear like T- tucked on my up. shoulder yeah. the matches and I'm like bending down like to put my face with probably like three centimeters away from this like gas and I go Jesus it smells like gas as soon as I've lit the match dead set I've just, I was just covered in fire and I was like <laughs> whoa like bang like it happened in like a second and I was yeah. so shocked and I was just like fuck I was like Jesus I was like you know when you sort of like reassess your body you just goes like alright no no I'm okay am I alright yeah I'm alive and I'm like jeez I'm okay I'm alive and then I was like oh Shit, like, I can smell some burning hair. Like, that must have just been, you know, a bit of, like, face or something. Yeah. Anyway, probably three seconds now pass, and I go, I'm still on the phone, by the way, to the guy from Woodard. Still on old. Answers, <laughs> and I said, mate, I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> I've just lit myself on fire. <laughs> I, put, I put the um, phone down, and I'm sort of just sitting there going, like, just still assessing the situation, going, okay, um, yeah, this is starting to hurt a little bit. Um, not sure what's happening. Yeah, like still in a bit of pain. Like the, the fire went out straight away. Mm. Long story short, I was like, when you get into these um these modes, and I'm sure people can understand this, it's like that fight or flight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for some reason, have you seen that movie Limitless? Oh. You know where they take the medication and it like the brain just like finds an answer to something. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yep. So like. Mm. Literally that happened and I was like, okay, fuck, I'm on fire. I've just burnt my face. Like I'm fully like on fire. I looked in the mirror. I had no eyebrows, no eyelashes. I had a cap on to here. <laughs> so all the fringe was 
burnt off my head. Like my yeah. whole face was like red, but it wasn't that bad. No, no. And I was like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> then all of a sudden in five seconds time, this was in the space to the three seconds. Now yeah. from the three to the five seconds, it felt like someone stabbed me in the face. Like yeah. in, in terms of like 400 knives just in my face, like bang. And I was like, like the most excruciating pain I've ever been in my yeah. life. And I just kicked into this thing. And I remember watching the 60 Minutes documentary once in the person <laughs> that burnt themselves. And I know this is weird, but I just ran straight to the shower yeah. and um, put on the cold water on my face like, yeah. really quickly. Because you're not meant to put... If I had to put warm water on, my face would have melted off and I would have had scars, scars and stuff all over you. Yeah. Anyway, this story's going for way too long. No, so no. I'm, wrap I'll, it up. I'm liking it. Um, yeah, okay. But anyway, I... Um, I Got in the shower, cold water, and I was like, oh, my God, thank God. It's finished. Okay, it's fine. It feels okay now. Turn the, turn the water off. Fucking bang. Like, <laughs> the worst pain I've ever had. Like, even worse. And I was just sitting there going, like, fuck me. I was nearly, like, about to faint how bad the pain was. So I was like, all right, what do I do? What do I do? So we had two doctors at the club. And I called one of them. I won't name his name. And he was, like, the one that was, like, really chill sort yeah. of doctor. And, like, you know, you have two of them. That's yeah, like, yeah. One's really relaxed. The other one's, like sort of freaks out with shit. And I was like, I'm going to call the one who's like really chill just to, go to, to sort of say something. And I was like, hey, mate, it's still, um, hey, look, don't want you to worry. Um, I'm okay. Just want you to know that I burnt my, uh, I lit my face on fire. And he's <laughs> like, what? I was like, oh, like, don't stress. Like, I just, you know, bit of flame. And I think I just burnt my eyebrows and stuff. And he was really chill. He was the one that yeah. was just like, oh, you know, yeah, you, you should be okay. Um, you know, just put some Vaseline on your face, make sure you keep cold water on it. Mm. Um, you'll be okay. And I was like, oh, fantastic. Hung up the phone. I'm still in the most excruciating pain <laughs> ever. And I was like, okay, fuck. Now I need to call the other doctor. The emergency that doctor. The answer that I yeah. need. I need <laughs> yeah. the emergency doctor now. So I called him. And I was like, hey, mate, uh, don't stress, um, but I lit myself on fire. Um, my face is okay. Like, I've just burnt all my eyebrows off and whatnot. Not going to lie, I'm in a fair bit of pain right now. And he goes, yeah, yeah, mate, that's normal. That's a burn. Like, that'll do. He goes, look, do me a favor. Keep, um, you know, the cold water on it. But just send me a photo. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. So I hung up, literally took a photo of my face. Before I could literally click send, he called me back and said, get to the fucking hospital right now. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to wrap this story up because it goes on for a while. But long story short... I'm driving to emergency because I couldn't not have water on my face. It yeah. Was that hot. It was that bad. So I'm driving to emergency with like a towel on my face that I cut out some eye holes with <laughs> water. I'm in the car, like driving to the emergency in the hospital. And um, you know how sometimes when you get to the hospital emergency and they like make you wait for ages. Yeah. Like, oh, why am I waiting? Like I'm in so much pain. You know, there was like some people there with like broken arms, broken elbows and stuff. Mm. And as soon as they saw my face, they rushed me straight through. Yeah, so I was like, okay, this must be bad. And yeah, long story short, I was in hospital for like a day um, and just had all this gel on my face and had all these burns all down my hands. Um, and yeah, the funniest part was I lost like all my eyebrows, all my <laughs> eyelashes, like fully all my skin peeled off my face. Um, and again, I'm finishing up the story, but I'll send the photos because you, send you can't. Them. You can't picture this without it because they're pretty horrific. And burn is not a joke. Like I, oh, like mate. I feel I feel bad for anyone who's ever been through this because it's pretty scary. And um, I thought that I was going okay because this was in the off season. Yeah. And then three months later, like this was honestly three months later, we're going back to the club, and I'm like, oh. 
and my sister, uh, my missus and my sister were drawing my eyebrows on for me for ages. <laughs> and I was like, oh, at least like the, I didn't tell anyone about this. Yeah. I, like, I don't want the boys to know about this fucking hell. Like, it's going to be embarrassing. And I was like, okay, I'll be okay. I rocked up to the club. Mark Murphy rocked up. I reckon he was 60 metres away. And he goes, oh, my God, what <laughs> happened to your face? And this was like three months later so it, took, oh, it honestly took shit. like nine months to get it back i'll definitely um, i'll definitely throw those photos up yeah get the photos up man it's pretty i've got i'll send them to you after this but it was pretty horrific have i told you about my burn story please do so in uh i had in 2008 i, I tore a tendon in my hip and um lo and behold finished the season and they said oh hopefully uh it heals or you know you're comfortable they didn't pick up the tendon was done so Waited six, six to eight weeks or whatever. I couldn't run. They said, righto, time to go get your hip done. So I went and had my hip done in surgery. I'm laying on my hip um, in the hospital for two and a half hours or whatever it is whilst they um, cut me open and, and stitch the tendon back or whatever they do. They forgot to tie the tourniquet down between my legs. So obviously um, yeah. the, the cleaning agent, the, the alcohol or the, you know, to kill the disinfectant, is um, they're using it non-stop non-stop but they don't tie the tourniquet down so it was seeping through my legs down my crevice of my groin and creating a pool uh, at the bottom of the the operating surgery now i sat there for three hours and i had a hip block in so i couldn't feel my legs down for 24 hours so it was fine um had surgery successful hips all yeah. good as the hip block started coming off i started feeling really warm i was like oh I'm really hot. Like, what's going on? What's going on? They're like, no, no, it's just the hip block wearing away. You'll be fine. Da 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 da. Lo and behold, what was happening was the alcohol burn was eating away at my testicle bag, and and just chew. And it took and and oh. for 24 hours, I didn't know it was there because I couldn't feel from my legs down, uh, from my hips down. Anyway, oh. I rang my doctor and I said, "I oh, doc, something's seriously wrong." And sure enough, raced around and they gave me the stuff they give little kids when they get you know, burnt by barbecues and stuff, like the real ridgy did stuff. But to get it on, I've still got a scar there now, like a, a burn scar on my um, nurries. But, of course, when you turn up to a footy club, oh. and the first person I saw was Clarko, and the stories got out that um, I'd had serious burns on my um, testicles. And Clarko, you think, oh, he's not mm. going to say anything, you know, it's just going to be smooth sailing, in on my crutches. And because we'd won the flag that year, um, NRL clubs were visiting to see what Clarko does to see if they can take anything from Hawthorne <laughs> into their game. X, X, come down here. And I'm crutching down. He goes, look on, mate, show them the burn. <laughs> and no, it, was, it was like a bubble of just, oh, no, it was my housemate. When I rubbed the cream on, he knew it was 10 seconds of excruciating pain, like the worst pain I've ever had. So I'd sit on the oh, couch and I'd rub man. it, rub it on, and my mate Turbo would count to ten. He's like, one, two, and you get to six. Like, nearly there, mate. You know it's gonna go. You know it's gonna go. And I'd be excruciating. Anyway, about honestly, it's still there. I've still got like a um, a bubble, like not a bubble, like a burn scar down down the, the left side. Anyway, it still works. Well, so still, it's, it's it's still working. Yeah, it still works. So um, it works well actually. So that's 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 a positive. <laughs> Uh, one from one in Rwanda. But I think moral moral of that story though is don't play with fire. Yeah, and tie the tourniquet burn, down while having surgery. Burning <laughs> medicines. Yeah, mate, we did have this uh, podcast book last week, and I got a call from you on Friday or Thursday. Um, mm. Hey, man, oh, a bit of a bit of a stitch up here. I can't do it. I've hurt my back. Now, 
what happened to your back? But that's also going to lead into, I think the back is a soft cock. I think the corky is a soft cock. But you've yeah. also had a crushed skull, which I don't think is a soft yeah. cock. So I'll give, yeah. you, I'll give you a giant tick for the last one. How's the back? Oh. Tell us about your corky and how's your crushed skull? Okay. Well, yeah, they're all, they're all pretty soft, to be honest. But oh, right. <laughs> I gave you credit for the other one. Um, yeah, well, look, the, the, yeah, don't, don't worry about that. I don't remember it and I don't think I really did anything tough in it anyway. But okay. The, um, mate, the back is sore. Um, okay. we, we joke about injuries a lot, but people always ask me X and, you know, we always talk about this. You go, Oh, you know, do you ever think you want to strap on the boots again? Do you ever think you want to, you know, go and have a play footy? <laughs> Why the fuck would I ever want to do that again when I can hardly tie my shoes? Like I can't bend over, man. Like I've, I've got a severely bad, um, disc like yeah. injury in my back. Yeah. And like, you know, I did it probably five years ago and once a year, um, it'll like, you know, something happens where, you know, I just move slightly and it, it jars up and normally it's bad for one or two days, but yeah. dead set, this wasn't a lie. And I hate letting people down. I've got like this thing where like, I'm extremely get like extreme anxiety about being late to things or missing mm. things. And, um, yeah, when, when I was picking up this box at home <laughs> and a dead set floored me, I thought that I like, had, and I'm not joking about this cause you know, this is serious and people do lose, you know, feeling in their legs and stuff. Mm. But I was, was like going, holy shit, am I like... Has something serious like, happened? I thought I'd... Yeah, has something serious happening. I thought I'd actually just lost feeling because my whole legs just gave way. Like, yeah. Literally just gave way and I just fell to the ground and I couldn't feel anything. And I was like, surely not. Like, <laughs> Anyway, long story short, they didn't. I came back to, to move. You're back. My disc my back had just totally given way like slipped the disc again in my back and it just spasmed up and um yeah we were meant to do a podcast that night and i I really just couldn't have given everything in it um i was struggling to even like i I was honestly laying on my back for two days Mm. um and yeah i was on some pretty serious medication and i still was like in in an extreme amount of pain like i don't think that there is you know like there's a lot of injuries out there i I don't like comparing injuries because i've i've had eight surgeries myself Mm. but in terms of debilitating injuries, like you cannot move with a back. No, it, it is serious. It's seriously painful. And unless you've had it, unless you've had a sore back, and I've had one too, people don't understand it affects your legs, your ass, your neck, it, it, everything goes on you now. So I, I took that uh, as a no worries exemption um, given. Unlike the state of WA, you, you, there's no exemptions. I've given you one for that, but I do need to. And people who follow your podcast, I'm sure most of them do. The corky. I, the I corky. love. I love the corky. <laughs> <laughs> the corky oh shit man i'll never live this down far out again um yeah i got the vision too so we'll send it over but i'm just annoyed everything in my life is documented is really annoying because i wish that it looked a lot tougher than it did but mate i dead set thought i got hit by a car one night yeah um mick mick barlow tells a story better than anyone but we were playing a blockbuster um needful game the gws giants twos versus the gold coast sun twos and it was it wasn't even in it was in Mackay, which yeah, right. was like an hour and a half out of gold coast um so there was probably about three people there mm. um you know and i think pretty sure like two of them were parents of one and someone else i think it was a groundskeeper but long story short um it was a huge game massive turnout <laughs> and um yeah i've just been like gone to and 
it, to be honest. I should have just got gone and put my head over it, which I, I didn't. I wanted to kick the ball off the ground. Yep. And some bloke's just come out of nowhere and bumped me, like, in the side of my quad. Yep. Um, and, <laughs> oh, God. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to somehow, like, explain how hard it was, but I already can sense <laughs> that this sounds just so weak. Yeah. Anyway, I like, <laughs> I got this corky. I thought I, I thought I broke my leg. Yeah, like, okay. genuinely thought I broke my leg. I could not move. Like it was a not as bad as the back, but like yeah. you know what a corky's like when it hits you in a good spot. Oh like, yeah, straight in the side of the ITB. Um, and when we show the vision, I'm hoping people can see how bad this was. But mm. the funny part, and Mick tells this story very well, um, was the fact that. I actually was in so much pain and couldn't get up that two runners had to come and pick me up and carry me <laughs> off the ground. You weren't Jesus, were you? And, and Mick, Mick tells a story very funnily. He, he says, he goes, oh, poor Dill, you know, he's just broken his leg. You know, I've done that before. I'll go up and help him out, you know, and talk, talk <laughs> yeah. him through it, the poor bloke. And he comes up to me after the game and goes, mate, I'm so sorry. Like, he has a broken leg. And I go, oh, nah, it's just a corky, mate. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, shit. Did you miss the next week? Funny. So, look, I'm again, this is – I don't, can't believe I'm telling the truth on the show, <laughs> but I um, the next week was a bye. Yeah. So, would I have played the next week if there was a game? No. 100%. <laughs> I, I could not move. Like, there was there was even, like – like, they, they wanted me to go on crutches and stuff, and, like, I was like, oh – like, you know what it's like at a football yeah. club, but yeah. I couldn't go on crutches with a corky. But um, now nah, there was, in all seriousness, if anyone's ever had a corky that's really bad, like I reckon for a month, I'd wake up in the middle of the night with mm. just this aches in my leg. And like, they were like, it, it felt like it was a, because the blood's so like thick and so like um, the, the, the blood can't travel through the core mm. that it gets stuck and it just like goes bang, bang, bang and just absolutely like, um, goes through the leg. But, yeah, that's just another embarrassing um, story. Thanks for that one. No, no, no worries. We'll move off them. Now, I did put out on Twitter, Twitter uh, anything for deal. Now, Brett Delidio, obviously Richmond champion, and spent some time with you at GWS. He wants you to reflect on round 15, 2015, and says, be honest. What happened on that day? Yeah, mate, I'm always honest. I, never tell, I always tell the truth. Um, that's just a fierce vote. Fierce rivalry, mate. Um, yeah. Up there, you've heard of the Carlton Collingwood, you've heard of the Carlton Richmonds, and yeah. second and third to that is Dill Buckley versus Brett Lidio. Yeah. Um, it's one of the most fierce rivalries in the AFL. Um, again, early in my career, got the job on Brett being one of the premier players in the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, did I single-handedly defeat him? Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, did I take one of the best marks of my career, let alone... I took a mark that night that should be in the same echelon as Jonathan Brown and Nick Brewell. Oh, um, courage. It doesn't it doesn't get, get the same accolade as that. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I absolutely took Brett to the cleaners. For some reason he thinks that he beat me. I don't know why, but um I single handedly dominated him. Um, stand by that for the rest of my life. Um and yeah, he's not too happy about it, which was funny because we didn't know each other that well at all. <laughs> and um once I first got to the Giants, you know what I'm like? I was just taking the piss with him and, and started bringing up these yeah. joke. And he hated it. Oh. Like, <laughs> there was days there where like, I actually thought he was going to bash the shit out of me. Yeah. Like, I was like, I, I was at times where it's like, I normally just keep going with gags. So I was like, I might have to actually stop this one because he's actually getting pissed off. But 
Nah, it's it's a funny one, mate. And the Dylan Friends community have really jumped around that story. Um, the truth to it again, um, the truth is it's a funny story. Yeah. Um, but the truth is it's probably not true. But I tell and, you, when, when you like yeah. you an ideal, sorry, and you do have mates like Brett Delidio or, or players who have played a lot of football, if you've ever beaten them in something or you're going to – like they've done 5,000 things better individually than the moment you've had, but the moment you've let had – Let have this one thing. Let them have – let you have the moment. Heavy beast he is. He didn't want me to have it. He reckons he won the Tissot watch. He reckons oh, – Do you yeah. know what the funniest thing is that actually I really loved about this thing with Brett was yeah. um, when he retired um, from Giants and it was he, – he won this hands down. He won this whole – Saga, and this is actually yeah. a scoop for you guys. Um, at uh, at you guys, it's a scoop for you. But he um, in his retirement speech, he did this massive speech, and everyone was crying, and it was this beautiful speech. And um, at the end, he goes, "Oh, look, it's about time. Um, you know, there's been a lot of things said about me in my career, and it's about time I put a few things to bed." And everyone's going, "Oh, Jesus, shit! Like this is." <laughs> Get a bit serious, like has the club sacked him here, or is there yeah. been something that's gone behind the doors? And everyone was, everyone was sort of like going, "Oh God, what's happening here?" And he's like, "2015 round, uh, 2015 round 18, Carlton versus Richmond, Friday, uh, Friday night blockbuster. Brett Delidio, 23 kicks, four handballs, two <laughs> goals, three votes, and, and then he pulls it out, a Tissot watch, <laughs> and like it, it was like." One of the best things I've ever seen because, like, he's a very funny guy, but for him to plan that. Oh, yeah. Um, and no one knew where that was going and basically just, you know, just shoved it in my face. It was actually one of the funniest things I've ever seen at a club. Is he one of the better-looking blokes you've played with? If not, who, who's the best-looking best bloke you've played with? Present company excluded. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, yes, obviously. Um Brett Delidio has got an incredible rig. Yeah. Like, incredible. One of the best rigs I've seen. I'd say best looking bloke. Like, if I could have anyone's looks, I'd probably go Andrew Walker. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's just got such a, you know, beautiful, like, complexion. He's got one of the most shredded rigs you've ever seen. Um, great hairline. Great ratio. Like, just pecs to quads to abs. Yeah. To pet. Like, everything just fits in, like, um, perfectly, and he's not too tall. Like he's like that one ninety one nine ninety three. So it's yeah. like that sort of. He's really tall, but he's not like freakishly tall. Not dopey tall. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I'd no. be, I'd be, in a, uh, Mark the Craft for me. I don't know. Lecker just yeah. always oh. did something like a nice tan, blonde hair, and his skill level. Like he was such a good, skilled footballer, and he's good at everything, like cricket, basketball, name fishing, it. fishing. He'd be the best in the business at it. So. Yeah, Lecker, and he'd always, he won like three years in a row, sexiest WA footballer. They used to do it in the calendar, or sexiest AFL footballer. And, you know, a lot of those people, one of those things that, you know, we spoke about, like, um, great achievements. Like, Lecker would bring that up and be like, oh, boy, yeah, three, three years in a row, sexiest player in the comp or whatever. So, Lecker for me. Another one that pops up, mate, and this is from a guy who I'm pretty good friends with. He's, he's, he's relatively well mm-hmm. known around uh, the country, captain of... One of the most powerful to- sides in Australia. Norm Smith medalist, Luke Shuey. No, Luke Shuey. Oh. oh, Luke Shuey. Now, yeah, Luke, oh, I didn't realise he was captain. Now, now Luke, right, Luke Shuey said to me, uh, ask you about the time you kicked a, an ordinary goal. Does that, does that oh, ring any bells? Funny. Does that ring any bells? Uh, it, it doesn't ring bells. It rings alarms. <laughs> um, and, and the alarms 
the alarms aren't for me. They're for Luke. Yeah. Um, it's actually funny. It's actually funny you bring that up, Luke. Because um, <laughs> I know Luke's a big fan of, of yours and myself. And uh, look, Luke's gone on to do some great things. We both yeah. know that. Um, as you said, he's a captain yeah. of the club. He's a Norm Smith medalist. He's a premiership player. Best and fairest. Um, best and fairest winner. Um, pretty handy. Pretty handy. But there was a time where Luke, you know, he, he was just going to become just an everyday player. Yeah. And I, I like to think that I had a bit of an impact on the way he turned out and not the way only he turned out, but the way <laughs> the West Coast Eagles have played um, over the last, I'd say, eight years. Because yeah. um, there was a day there where uh, it was the becoming of Dylan Buckley at the, probably the peak of my powers mm-hmm. um, versus Luke Shuey, uh, versus West Coast, shall I say, at uh, what they used to call Etihad Stadium. So we're talking 2015? I think it was 2015. Yeah, yeah so your year, your year, Luke Shuey, crossroads probably. My year, Luke Shuey was just, he was just a player. Like, yeah. I don't i don't think he was getting picked every week. I'm not sure. Um, I didn't ever know who he was at that stage. No. Nah. Um, probably anyway. weird. Yeah, probably over, a bit overweight yeah. too and injury riddled. And he had a bit of thuggish behaviour about him. Like, he'd hit blokes behind play a little yeah. bit. And, yeah, yeah, crossroads, and he crossroads. was... Bit of a hoon in the in driving cars and Perth as well. <laughs> Gangsters and all yelling, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yelling profanity at yep. people. But um, yeah, he really grew up. And do I have something? Yeah, uh, you know, do I have a favour to play in that? Yes, probably I do. Because as I said, um, you know, there's a moments in everyone's career where they're at the crossroads, and I think that this game there was for him. Funnily enough, by the way, this actually was. I remember this. It's quite weird. It was actually Jerry McGovern's debut. Yeah. Um, this game as well. So. Did I shape his career and his success? Possibly. Pro- probably. Yeah, probably, probably. Probably. Sorry. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, two players there. Anyway, the story is uh, West Coast were leading all day, uh, being arrogant as they were. Yeah. Um, little did I know that it was I was in the peak of my powers at this stage, playing half back. And, geez, the game was getting tight. Um, you know, yeah. I'd taken a few marks back there in D50, <laughs> running the ball as hard as I could, as I did, tried hard, punching it forward. I think we came from 30 points down. Mm-hmm. Um, at half time, or it might have even been three quarter time, and we were within six points. Okay, now Game, games in the balance. Games in the balance. Now, when the games in the balance, it always you, you want to play the team role, but sometimes it takes someone to do a little bit extra. Yeah, and yep. I felt that it was my time to do that. Swim between um, the flags, a, but the waves aren't exactly. always good between the flags. Sometimes you've got to go outside. Exactly. Them. exactly right. It sounds like you've done it yourself before. <laughs> you probably have. Um, I, yeah, so I was, I was a half back. Um, and you know, obviously again, I've said it many times at the peak of my powers (laughs) and there was, uh, Luke Shuey somewhere in the vicinity. Yeah. He was meant to be, um, on me as my position. So let me put it, let me put, paint the picture. Yeah. We're on the arc here, defensive arc. We're probably 50 meters out boundary throw in. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I was playing half back, Mm -hmm. but I'd pushed up onto a winger which I think was Luke Shuey. But yeah. no, no, no. Luke Shuey didn't want to be the winger. No. He didn't want to be the winger. He, he only wants to win the ball wants inside the, the stoppage. Yeah. So he's left me, the most dangerous player, outside the stoppage sweeping. Peak of your powers. I said, okay, Luke. See you later, Luke. I'll stay back here and guard the stoppage. Luke gets sucked in. Rob Warnock taps it down to someone. That one person, bang, straight back, dills open, feed it, feed it, feed it. I've snapped it. I reckon I might have been 65 metres out. Um, 65 metres snap off one step yeah. um, straight through the middle. Yeah, okay, huge. Straight through the middle. Crowd's gone bananas. Huge goal. Crowd went absolutely mental. 
Um, I went absolutely mental where the game's drawn at this stage. I think there's about, I don't, can't remember, maybe a minute to go. Mm. So scores a level. Long story short, we win the ball again. We get it. We kick a goal. West Coast lose. Now, from that game, um, I spoke to Luke about this and I said, mate, I've always wondered. Um, I don't want to bring this up because I know it might be a hard time for yourself, but what was going through your mind there where you <laughs> thought, yeah, okay, I'll leave one of the most dangerous halfbacks in the comp sweeping out the back of a stoppage. And he said to me, um, off air, he said, mate, you changed the course of my career. I was at the crossroads. Um, Adam Simpson pulled me aside and said, mate, what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to be the captain? Do you want to be a premiership player? Do you want to be an All-Australian? Do you want to be a premiership player and uh, take, your, take your footy to where you want it to be? Mm. And he said, yes, I do. And he said, well, don't ever disrespect Dylan Buckley like that again. <laughs> so basically, yes, it's a good story. Um, it's true. Um, and, you know, I think me and Luke now, it's like when your arch nemesis is, uh, you, you have a lot of mutual respect for yeah, each other. Yeah. Um, could have been happier for him uh, winning the Norm Smith and uh, winning the flag. And he's just genuinely one of the best blokes of all time. Um, you you know him just as, uh, better than me, but uh, I couldn't have been prouder than him. Yeah. When I saw him up there holding the cup, <laughs> did I feel like I played a little bit of a part in that? Yes, I yeah. did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very fond memory of mine and, uh, I do love Luke Shilley and that's probably why West Coast uh, holds a very, very uh, special place in my heart and, and so does Luke. <laughs> Can you imagine actually what Luke Shilley was thinking at the stoppage when he left you on the wing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, to be honest, I, 99 <laughs> times out of 10, he made the right move. Like, <laughs> yes, definitely leave me out there. I would <laughs> yeah. never get the ball. But for some reason it came out there and I snapped one from 55 <laughs> and it went straight through. Um, in all seriousness, he probably did the right thing, but... I can't believe that. Hey, so funny. And we, Brett Delidio knows this, and now Luke Shuey knows this. I will never let them live it down. Mate, did you ever? And I was. Did you ever um, lip an opponent? Were you ever lippy on the field, or did you ever get lipped? Can you remember anything? Oh, mate, my own, like without saying this stupid, I was so lippy and I was so stupid. The shit yeah. I said, like, just would love just getting into guys, but. <laughs> I think it did more damage to myself than it did to them because yeah. I was just more worried about like lipping them than even just getting the footy. So I look back now and think, mate, why did you do that? Like yeah. it had literally didn't do anything for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, was, I wasn't a lip. I wasn't a, a lip. I used to talk like, we used to call players by the wrong names. That was about as bad as we got. Oh, but, that hurt. Yeah, that hurts. But that it, it hurts hurt. so I was, much. I was definitely, I was definitely on the receiving end of that a few times. Oh, that, it just ruined the even, ego. I don't even think they were trying to offend me. I just <laughs> think they just didn't know. Oh, the best was a high draft pick, like a number one draft pick or whatever. For example, Matt Rao, you'd go, "Who's on? Who's on Paul Rowell? Or yeah, you know, get get on Rowell yeah. or whatever." And they'd be like, "Oh, uh, I I do the 18. I'd be like, oh, "Who's on yeah, 18? Yeah. Get 18." Like you oh, don't even use their name. Akimenis walked up to me one day and then grabbed had, had the peak behind my back and said, "Who the fuck are you?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, nice <laughs> to meet you, Mister Akimenis." Oh, oh shit! Yeah, mate, we won't. Uh, I won't keep you too much longer. Let's talk about your podcast, Dylan Friends, number one podcast. When you started, oh. when you started, what was your goal? I wouldn't say it's a number one podcast. It's 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 getting it's a it's you know with people like yourself, mate. When I have good guests on, that's what <laughs> makes uh, what's, that's what makes the show what it is. Which is your episode was easily one of my favourites and and funniest ones I've I've done. Um, but 
when I first started, mate, in all seriousness, I started that because I genuinely had no idea what I was doing in my life. I'd just been delisted from Carlton. Mm-hmm. And a bit like, a sort of similar story to yourself in terms of just trying to get experience in the media because I thought, well, you know, radio would be something that I'd enjoyed doing. Yeah. Um, but in Melbourne at that stage, I obviously got a lot of big dogs there where I couldn't really get my foot in the door mm. and no one really wanted to give me the time of the day to to do that. Which is um, shit. And then when I moved to Sydney, yeah, it's, it was it was tough because like, um, I think radio is one of those things as well. And you know it a lot better than me and, mm. and you've probably met some really good people in it. But I think it's sort of a hard industry to find people that actually want to help you because it's such a, you know, they've done it themselves while they help someone else try and yeah. do what they're doing. Um, yeah. So I think that like that's totally fine. And I, I don't think that that's, that's not the way I roll. Like I think that by making someone better, you get better yourself. Um, but yeah, it was a really hard industry to crack into. And I thought, well, when I, when I moved up to Sydney, I was like, fuck it, I just want to start this podcast. And if I get delisted again, at least I'll have like a, you know, to show them something that I've done. Um, and I was really lucky that when I got to Sydney, um, the club helped me out and connected me up there with Triple M. And I was doing a bit of work there with um, Mark Geyer and Liam Flanagan, who yeah. are basically like, you know, the rush hour of Melbourne. I did a game um, with Liam Flanagan on the weekend. He, he called he the footy. Ch- mate. Mm champion yep. absolute champion of a bloke and like he was probably my first real um sorry in in radio terms like he was one of my first real mentors that like took me under his wing i went there like every tuesday after training i went to triple m and sat down with him for an hour before the show took me through it showed me how to like do all these things and taught me how to edit it and um all these like bits and pieces so yeah for him he's one of the real good dudes um in in footy that's just an absolute champion of a bloke that gave me all the time in the world and then connected me obviously to a few people, other people in Sydney that I met and, and started doing some stuff with Batuta Advocate and yeah. some other people, but that then, um, that then just keep back on me. And I think it's one of those things, man, like, you know what it's like with podcasting It's like, you get in what you put out. Mm. Uh, so you, you get out what you put in. Um, it's not like you don't do it to like make money out of it um, straight away. It's more just the enjoyment. Um, yeah, like if you stick with it and like anything, if you stick with it, you get better every time and you get better guests on. And if you know good people, then um, it's going to create into something. And I've just been lucky enough now that once I finish my career, um, to be able to transition into that has been uh, a dream come true. Mate, you've had uh, Milne, just going through a few of mine, my favourite, Milne, Oxfev, uh, Lambert, Zampa, Rex Hart, Bogut, uh, Razor Ray who I used to love when he was umpiring us, saying, Razor, he's grabbing me, he's grabbing me, even though I was the tagger. He just thought I was the biggest pain in the ass of all time. And you've got to do that. When you're playing on someone better than you, just be a pain in the ass. But uh, who's your dream guest? Oh, dream guest, man. Like, I'm, yeah, it's funny. Because well, you asked me a question. You said my top five dinner. Is that still a question? Yeah, I'm going to get you at the end with that. I'll get you at the end with that. Okay. Well, they sort of correlate over. So I think we okay. might have to... Do them together because, um, I for 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 the guests that I would really love to have, like I'm as much as I love you know interviewing footy people, I want to sort of branch out and do other demographics now, um, and other things like I, I'm a I'm addicted to documentaries and two yep. people that I massive admirers and and lovers of is um two guys called Ross Kemp and Louis Thoreau. Yeah, oh Louis, um, what was his show that used to be run on Foxtel for years and years and years? Um, well, he just well the ones that I, I watch they're just a doc like he'll just go and you know Louis Throw world's weirdest that's family, what it is Louis yeah Thoreau, yeah yeah heroin yeah. addicts and yeah. all that sort of shit so yeah he's the way he do, like 
I've just learned so much off off him and and how the way he goes about it. Um, obviously, totally different people, but just watching him is he's like one of the best um, people ever. Just chatting and in, in his stories. And the other one's Ross Kemp, who basically basically he just goes around and travels a world and like meets all these gangs and yeah um he's he's crazy like he just does all this weird shit um so i'd love <laughs> to chat to people like that with interesting stories um another one that i was super lucky to sit down with actually last week with ben crow yep. who was dead set one of the best blokes of the craziest stories like he used to be the international sports director of sports marketing for Nike. Mm. So like worked with like Michael Jordan, Phil Knight, all these people. Yeah. Um, and now works in like the AFL for like Richmond and he like mentors CEOs and, you know, Dustin Martin, all these players. Like this bloke's like a seriously switched on unit, yeah. which I still don't know how I sat down with him. But in, um, our, in the industry we love. Yeah, literally, literally. And just like, he was just unbelievable. Um, and... The other one I was thinking I'd just love to get on would be like Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Just to ask him his story. I just think he's the funniest guy ever. But he's also, like, if you listen to his serious stuff that he talks about too and, like, why he does comedy, it's actually really crazy. Like, his story of, like, his life. He's actually had a really tough life. And he's, like, the way that he deals with stuff and the way that, like, he why he's funny and why he jokes about the things he jokes about is because that's how he deals with all the crazy shit that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, dinner dinner with five. Did you na- did you nail any of them in that then? Yeah, the, I, th- they'd be all my four. Okay, I'm still and you're of one. And you're I and you're you there. Oh, no, no, that's it. you're you're in as well. So there's your five. Oh, okay, fantastic. You're yeah, in. True. I'd have to go to my own dinner. You're you're there. Hey, uh, the ones that have come off Twitter, and I'll, I'll, I won't keep you much longer, mate. No, mate, I'm all day. Uh, chat me through. Um, well, it's the obvious one. I had hundreds of messages about one topic. <laughs> I already know what this is. Well, let's talk is about your kissing, kissing. Let's talk about your dad kissing your dad on the lips, and and, and and they often the messages came through like, "I've never kissed my dad on the lips. Where do I start?" All this sort of stuff. Like, do I just dive in and kiss him? <laughs> Tell me why you're still kissing your dad. Well, at the moment, COVID, I'm not doing any of that stuff just because of, you know, health risks and not want to, you know, government rules at the moment are prohibiting kissing on the lips. Yep. Uh, with people you're not living with. I don't live with my dad anymore. Um, so I'm 27 years old. Yep. So um, anyway, that's one point of it. Um, look, the kiss your dad on the lips thing is, I don't know how that's taken off, <laughs> to be honest. It's just I one had of those hundreds funny, of messages. Hundreds. Things. Mate, I know. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. And we joke about it all the time and just say, you know, Kiss your dad on the lips. The way it actually started was um, I was doing a podcast where Tommy Sheridan was asking me questions when I got delisted. And we're talking about some pretty serious things, you know, like how I'm feeling, what's next for the future. And like, you know, for him to ask these questions, we're getting pretty deep. Mm -hmm. And um, somewhere where I'd never really gone before on the show and I was feeling pretty vulnerable. And then one of our other mates, Jake Trotter, who shared out to Trots, who actually came up with this stupid fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, which is actually my favorite thing now because it's so funny. Yeah. But he goes, he whispers in Tommy's ear, like something. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm expecting another question, like, you know, oh, you know, you know, like something serious. And he goes, um, do you kiss your dad on the lips? <laughs> and I was just like, I just fucking lost. I, I didn't know. I was so rattled at what was going on because it was sort of like us talking about, so like, a, 
deep moment about our lives and like, you know, what's next. And you've just yeah. finished this. You've just finished that. And then he's gone, just ask me that. And I just like froze up and was like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> just ever since, ever since then, um, it's just taken off. And mate, there's a lot of dad kisses out there. And um, yeah, the dad kisses is definitely a society that Dylan Friends is proud of. Uh, we're proud of kissing it. Yeah, I've seen you, mate. You love you love kissing uh, little Ted on, on the lips. That's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, mate, I went to boarding school and we got shipped off there when we were young, but uh, when dad used to drop me off uh, to return back to boarding school for the term or whatever, uh, he, he, no, no kissing on the lips. It was just always a handshake. If, if he stopped mm, the car, it was like, sure so, it was. To see him, mate. But we had a guy called Sam, and, and this is not on the lips, but he used to kiss his dad, and his dad's name was Richard Sargood, which is short, like, dicks are good. And I was like, I don't know why I remember that. I just remembered Richard Sargood, dicks are good, and a couple of kisses on the lips. <laughs> 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 Don't know why. Oh, that's so unfortunate. Oh, that but is yeah. so unfortunate. Yeah, anyway, Sam, Sam was our house captain. He was a bloody good fella. Uh, mate, I'm last, sure he's doing good things. I think he plays golf off scratch. Actually, last time I saw you, he goes pretty well. Hey, biggest spray you've received and biggest spray you've witnessed? <sighs> biggest spray has received. Um, oh God, a few. Um, oh, there was one one day where I lost a one on one to Nat Five. Um. And if you don't know who Nat Fife is, he's probably the best player in the AFL. Who doesn't um, lose one-on-ones? Who doesn't lose one-on-ones. And this was in the first minute of the game. Um, and I just got back in the team. And, uh, yeah, literally first minute of the game, lost this one-on-one. I was like, okay, look, you know, put that behind you. As all sports psychs do, you know, you move on, next mm. contest, next contest. All of a sudden, the runner comes out. And um, I was like, oh, geez, okay, that's strange. <laughs> Something's happened here. Um and yeah, I just remember coming off. This was when Bolts was coach. And I just, I don't actually remember what he said, but I remember it having nothing to do with the technique or the actual thing that happened. I just remember the personal attack of <laughs> like, along the lines of you are the shittest thing that's ever crossed this earth. <laughs> um, and like, that's fine. But yeah. like, I was sort of hoping that there might have been. You know, maybe like, hey, just body up next time or bring it to ground or, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, nothing like that. Um, to make matters even better and where my calf um, calf uh, problem started, I ran back on the field after that spray and did my calf. Yeah, okay. So, after copping that spray, this is all in the first six minutes of the game. By the time I got back on, I did my calf and I was so scared to say anything that I ended up just playing the game out with the torn car. Oh. And um, I literally had no impact on the game. Oh, and also, what else I also did was, you know, when you don't get a kick for the whole game, it got towards the end of the game. And it was at that stage at Carlton where, like, we were so shit that yeah. everything was under the microscope. Like, I was running into a goal on a 45, but there was someone else that was, like, directly – in line with the goals, but like 50 meters behind. So yep. basically they wanted me to like stop prop and like kick it 60 meters back into the corridor. Yep. Anyway, I've had the shot on the goal, missed it. If it had gone through, nothing would have been said, nah. but got another one for that as well. Um, post game. So yeah, not only did I cop that spray, did my calf, copped another one <laughs> and got dropped and then missed like six weeks of the torn calf. Did you get the matches? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, I did get the match. Yeah, that's all, right. that's all right. Actually, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, good so how'd, how'd you go with Bolts? Oh, I loved him. Yeah. Mate, 
I know that's hard to believe, but I really love Bolts, and I actually got along. I actually got along with him really well. To be honest, like he, in terms of footy, like you know, we didn't see eye to eye, but he he taught me more about like mindset and life and like that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I don't know if that was a Clarko thing, but he taught me more about that sort of shit than anyone. And I think that um, the way that I outlook, you know, things now in terms of like. Um, you know, not getting too ahead of yourself and always bringing yourself back down to, to level and it's never as good as you think, it's never as bad as you think. And, you know, all those sayings that like, you know, gratitude, he, he introduced gratitude to, to Carlton. And yeah, um, yeah, he's probably the biggest teacher, like and one of the biggest influences on me that I've, I've ever had. Um, but just not in terms of footy, we probably didn't see eye to eye, but that, you know, I'd take the life skills any day. The, um, I've told you about, I never really got sprayed. Um, I've told you about the time Simo wound up at me. Have I told you what he said at me, to me? Like, we got beaten by Geelong by 80 points at the Cattery. Um, and he was, yeah, firing a few bullets. But Simo didn't spray. He just was honest, calm, but would hit you. Anyway, he's firing yeah. through. And I got split open this night and got a nice cut on my face and had some stitches in there. And we were undermanned. It was Coxie's record-breaking game for West Coast. Food poisoning went through us in Geelong. We were massive underdogs. We left half the team behind. Anyway, <clears throat> Simo's gone through and gone, um, you know, fucking um, fat side, defend harder. They were shit in defence. And he, I just was in his vision. And he goes, X, you're a poor man's Jack Watts. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> anyway. You know what, though, man? You, you can't. You know the sad thing about that call is you can't just think of that on the spot. Oh, no. Like, no. That was that was obviously like he'd actually been thinking that for a while and just wanted to hit you between the oh. eyes with that. So, of course, you walk out of the change rooms and jump in the ice bins or whatever, and I walk in, you know, just cop the bait, but everything's okay. Because I actually thought I played okay. Anyway, of course, Watsy, here comes Watsy. So I ran with Watsy for about the next six weeks, but... Oh, that was goodness. the funniest one I got. Was just you're a poor man's Jack Watts at best. Hey, uh, mate, yeah, I haven't nice. got a lot. Much, uh, I haven't got much more to to chew your oh, ear you, off. You just reminded me on one though. Yeah, right. Good. Just I don't know. Cut this out if it's shit. But this hit me hurt. This hurt me when this one happened because it wasn't a spray as well. <laughs> um, and this and you probably I don't even know. You might have been playing against Fox Hill. Now we never. I, I I have looked. We've never played against each other. I don't think. But nah. um. In, this is in my first season and we're playing VFL and just nowhere near it, man. You know, I said earlier, like I just had no idea yeah. what I was doing when I was 18. And um, I, I think I had like three possessions in this mm-hmm. game and we got absolutely smashed by Box Hill. Playing VFL, obviously, shocking day. Um, Carlton had an awesome win, I think. And this is when Rats was coach. And Rats actually really liked me, believe it or not. Yeah. Well, I think he did. And um, he's going through all the guys, like, you know, um, you know, person by person, because I think in the VF, like he went through the team and then he went after the team. They used to go, give us a VFL rap, you know, yeah, what yeah, happened yeah. in the VFL. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know those ones? Oh, yeah. And um, he went through everyone. He's like, mate, you know, geez, you know, bloody hell, mate, you're going that well. You know, you're this close. You're this close. Bloody hell, you're doing this well. Geez, you tackled well on the weekend. He gets to me and he goes, this is in front of everyone. What are you doing? <laughs> and... I was like, oh, yeah, um, uh, oh, man, I just, yeah, didn't really have a, um, a great game. Um, you know, I'm 18 at this time. I didn't, yeah. yeah, just didn't really have a great game. He goes, no, 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 like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, 
Oh, um, yeah, mate. To be honest, I'm not too sure, but not, not not exactly sure what's what I'm doing. To be honest, just not really playing that well. And he just looked at me and goes, "Hmm, hmm, interesting." Just walked off. And I was just like, "What do I? Where do I go from? Like, what do you? What should I do there?" Oh, mate, hilarious! But you know, you mentioned, and I'd forgotten about them. The the, the state league raps that you know waffle over here and VFL, obviously Victoria. The, the Give waffle- us a rap, boys. What happened down at the VFL? But oh, those, care, the, those, were the, those that were pretty close to to playing AFL would go in Monday morning and go straight to like the massage physio room. You know, fish around for who's getting the ice packs and who's getting the scans. Yeah. And then you realise no one's getting anything, and then they yell out, "Can we grab a VFL report, guys?" And you sit there going, "No one gives a fuck. No one's getting out. We <laughs> won by ten goals. Like seriously." And they, you know, you know what? Let's let's not. <laughs> let's know, not do. <laughs> but the bet actually, there was always a bit of joy that came because they used to pump up the VFL waffle to you know keep the egos going and yeah not let them give up. But occasionally they'd turn in a real shit one. Oh yeah, the Box Hill or, or uh, East Perth or West Coast. And the coach who would always go, um, you know, can we get a report? These times they'd stand up and go, what I saw on the weekend was fucking shit. And that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> then that's the state league report. And you're like, well, Clark, I summed that up pretty well. That yeah, was pretty yeah, accurate. Yeah. I don't think we need to take, I don't think we need to uh, go any further with that. Well done. Nah, deal, mate. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. I look forward. Who you got this week on the podcast? Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Zave, and thanks for having me. Uh, this week, I've got Mitchie Robinson, actually. Oh, yeah. And that was, uh, yeah, prior to some uh, comments re Tom Lynch. But to be honest, I think that's been blown out of the water, mate. I love yeah. I love this side of guys calling people out. Like, if you've got the balls to do it, why not? Like, it, mm. put, it puts bums on seats. Well, we spoke about it, too. Like, a lot of people were saying, oh, um, Mitch Robinson's just giving ammunition to Richmond and Tom Lynch. Whereas I'm in the other camp going, he's actually just called him out. And I'd be thinking, if Tom Lynch, I'd be going, shit, there's actually a fair bit more pressure on me. Is that what they think of me around the league? Is that what, what I thought I was loved? Now people are calling me out and saying I do it all the time. I actually don't mind that Mitch Robinson, I don't think it's ammunition at all. I think he's actually, you know, targeting the opposition and about to attack. Oh, it definitely works both ways. And I think that no matter what, happens every single person is penciling in Brisbane versus Richmond whenever mm. that happens later in the year. And like, I, I, I don't really look for Like I don't ever think of a game ahead, but like now that that's happening, I'm like clearing my schedule to be watching that game. Absolutely, mate. Uh, again, thanks for joining me. Uh, you're absolutely flying uh, post footy. You, fl- you flew during football, but you're absolutely flying post football. You, everything <laughs> you touch is turning into an absolute winner. The podcast is absolutely killing it. And I see we don't get it over here. So speak to Channel 10. Mate, we need your uh, weekly reports or whatever you're doing over here on our, on our screens. Oh, yes, I'll look into that one, mate. Uh, I appreciate that. that and mate, all again, to be honest, I said this on my show, mate, but um, we spoke about earlier people in the media and ex-footy players sometimes sticking to themselves. But um, you're definitely someone that I look up to and admire. And uh, as an un- official mentor you've been incredible <laughs> for me now in all seriousness I, I really appreciate um everything you've done for me mate so to, to be on the show and and to call your friend now i can't wait to come over for a beer and um it'll be good fun good on you mate really appreciate it and uh well i'm sure we'll catch up for a beer in the next couple of weeks forward to it